the James Suckling Podcast. Wine ratings, reports, interviews and more. Okay, Paul, great to be with you. We just tasted some fantastic uh, 2019s from uh, Mendoza, from your winery there, uh, Vinicobos. Like, what's your thought on 19 in general, if you're thinking about 19, 18, 2020? What's your thoughts? Well, there's been a lot of variability in some of these vintages, James. Uh, You know, there's just been a shifting in the weather, and so there's been more rainfall, which I think has been beneficial for Mendoza. A little bit cooler. 19 was a stunning growing season. Fairly uniform, but kind of a wet January, February that gave way to a beautiful fall, dry, cool ripening period. So the wines that we see, particularly with 19, are coming out with an incredible structure and really picking up through their root system. And I think that's captured so well in these wines, each of the different types of terroirs that we work with. So, you know, the diversity that we're seeing is pretty intense it's pretty uh, and it's so beautifully rendered you know it's just this very sophisticated super fine grain tannins we're really pleased with what we're seeing do you think does it favor cabernet more than uh, malbec or or is it across the board or chardonnay or yeah difficult uh, in some ways to say i think malbec always thrives in this particular environment so it certainly but i think cabernet has been a beneficiary as well you know, most of our vineyards today are so well matched to site. You know, that wasn't always the case. You know, not that many years ago, you had everything, all varieties planted in one place. And so today we've been much more selective about where Malbec goes versus a Cabernet Franc. And sometimes they can coexist in the same environment, but sometimes they can't. And it just depends on the weather and the soils and so on. So overall, I would say the vintage was great for, as a general vintage, 2019. I do think it favored Malbec in particular, uh, but Cabernet Franc, I think, was also stellar. And the early ripening white varieties that are high elevation showed extremely well. Cabernet, if you were in, again, and this is why site specificity is so critical, I think if you were more in the Lujan region, then you've got, you've got beautiful Cabernets if you if you put in the, the effort to farm them properly. So you had 17, 18, and 19. Uh, which is your favorite then and why? Well, out of the three, 19, I think, is the, the winner. And I think that's just mainly because of the structure and concentration. 18, however, was very beautiful. And um, those are, I mean, all three of the vintages, in my mind, are excellent in their own particular way. Uh, But I would say 19 just puts it all together in a way that, you know, the 17s were were quite gorgeous. They have good structure as well, good concentration. It was a long growing season. 18 was a little wetter. And that's one of the things we noticed in Argentina. Again, going back to that concept, we were getting more snowfall. But if I remember correctly, the 18 vintage was a bit short on rain as well, at least in the beginning part of the season. I hope I don't have that wrong. But I believe um, 
Yeah, but the 18s was a, gr- a relatively cool growing season and really beautiful wines as well, but more elegant, maybe not quite as powerful. And we had some of your early release 2021s. I was really impressed, though. I mean, it's sort of like 19 again, but maybe a little bit more precise and structured. What's what's your thought on, on, on 2021? The early, our early read on 21 is that it could be a, a vintage of a decade or even long. I mean, it's quite a wow. It's a very, very good vintage. And so we're thinking, we're seeing, actually, sometimes we see this phenomena where the precursor for quality comes out of South America. And, uh, you know, we've seen that also play out here in in the Northern Hemisphere. So Napa Sonoma also, we're thinking this is one of the great vintages of the last 10 years, maybe even 20 years. It's a stunning vintage. I tasted from Napa um, some 21s. And they really are impressive. They're sort of like combining 18 and 19 together. But the best of each of those, yeah. yeah, into one package. That's really exciting. That, you know, And I like the clarity in your 2021s from uh, Mendoza. I thought the fruit, there was something so special about the fruit quality and the length of the wines. They were just so persistent, fresh, clean. So it, I can't wait. Well, thank you. We, we've made a lot of effort in the farming and, you know, farming, as you well know, has changed tremendously or even in the short last five or six years. I think our, our growers, of course, what we do in our estates is one thing because we can do exactly what we want. But I think our growers in Argentina are really getting on the bandwagon for more sustainable farming approaches. And Argentina has always been low rainfall. And, and so we've always had good sanitation and growing, which means we didn't have to worry too much about spraying or doing any of that kind of thing. So it's already a natural, but the way we're taking care of the soils today is much better than what we were doing traditionally. So I think that's reflected in the wine. I'm really happy that we're we're doing those, we're seeing those changes. And you still think that it's all it's that it's all about Malbec. I mean, you're making some beautiful Chardonnays and and. Cabernet Francs and Cabernet Sauvignons, but it's still Malbec, right? Well, Argentina, yeah. I mean, I guess that's how people look at Argentina. It's like, well, yeah, that's Malbec. But in my view, when you start looking at uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, for example, in particular, and maybe Cabernet Franc, but Cabernet Franc doesn't have the popularity, worldwide recognition that Cabernet Sauvignon does. Yeah. And in my view, Argentina and I've ha- held this view for quite some time, but I I believe it's catching on finally. It's been a slow process. And part of the problem is that Cabernet Sauvignon truly requires much more attention to detail in farming. It's not as forgiving as, as Malbec. So you can, you can let Malbec kind of go and end up with a pretty good thing, but you can't do that with Cabernet Sauvignon. You, you've really got to, to, to do the work in the vineyard when the work needs to be done. And I think Argentina, however, has is blessed with its high elevation, super well-drained soils, and its warm summers and cool falls play beautifully into high-end Cabernet Sauvignon. So I think I'm 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 extremely hot on Cabernet Sauvignon for the region. Well, that's a big 
big statement because everyone's focused so much on on Malbec, and so that could be some you know big news in the future. I'm I'm certainly uh, well. Let's say I'm bullish on that. <laughs> you make great calves in Napa, so well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, I I just believe we've got everything. If you look at what Cabernet loves, dry root, you know, its root system wants open soil, open soil structure. We have the alluvial soils that we have in the Napa Valley, even more so in some ways. So obviously these things are not going to be the same. But now it's just a question of like putting in the effort and paying the growers because that's the other thing that we've been slower to do in Argentina. And so a lot of fruit in Argentina is not, like we're in Napa, many vineyards are owned by the by the wineries, yeah, sure, in Argentina, wineries do own vineyards, but they buy a large percentage, a much larger percentage of their fruit from growers. And oftentimes, those growers don't even know what they're going to get paid until the fruit's already in the winery. And then at some point down the road, uh, they're told how much they're going to get paid for the grapes. So you can imagine how that works against quality. They're just putting in the least amount possible and getting and producing as much tonnage as they can, and so they're they're not quality oriented. We want to at Vinicobos, That's something we want to change, and so, we are changing. So the big we spoke about it at the tasting, but the the one of the big moves are that you the best wines are generally the best vineyards. People really taking care in viticulture. Absolutely, I think personally, James, one of the things that there's always been this big focus on find the great terroir and the rest sort of takes care of itself. And I think in my mind, finding the great terroir is step one. You know, now you're in the game, but uh, it really makes a difference after you, you know, that's of course uh, the Holy grail to some degree of, of great wines, but what really makes a difference is farming. And I think that's been we haven't discussed it enough. It's been not maybe underappreciated, including I'm talking about in professionals and winemakers, not necessarily Europeans. I think they've always recognized this. In the new world, the education of winemakers has been more focused on the winemaker than the vigneron. And a vigneron, in my mind, is a person that not only grows the grapes, but makes wine from the grapes they grow. And I think that's usually, it's coming more and more to our, let's say, the Western world or the New World. And I think that's a good thing. And so I think now we're, we're going to see some big improvements in quality as a result. Okay, well, thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. Thanks as well, James. Thank you.